This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. So I wanted to start with our theme verse this morning, John chapter 19, verse 30, and it says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, which is actually the Greek word tetelestai, which means paid in full. And as we've defined this verse, or this word, it literally means this, to finish, to end, to complete, to perform that last act which completes a process, to accomplish, to fulfill. And when Jesus was on that cross and He declared, it is finished, it means it's completely finished. There's not anything else that has to be done. It's completed. It's absolutely accomplished to the perfection of God's heart. And so you have to understand this morning, everything that you need to live out your life in God has already been done for you. What a great deal. Amen? But there's one last principle that I want to focus on this morning that the word tetelestai actually speaks to, that it is finished word. And it's the word that signifies a turning point. When Jesus literally declared on the cross, tetelestai, it is finished, he was literally saying the old covenant is complete, the new covenant is beginning, right? It's literally talking about when one period ends and another period begins. So it speaks to something New. Say new. How many want new? How many tired of the old? It's about a new season. Interestingly enough, that word on that cross and the subsequent resurrection from the grave was literally the turning point in the entire history of mankind. It's the moment the Old Testament was completely fulfilled And the New Testament, the New Covenant, begins. It's the great divide in human history. It's amazing. And so what I want you to know this morning, for your life personally and for your walk with God, the old is done away with, the new has come. The old is done away with, the new has come. I want you to picture for a second before we move on what your life would be like if you actually 100% completely let go of the old and embrace the new. One thing I've realized about the enemy is he loves to live in the past. It's the realm he loves to live in. But it's time to let the old and to let the enemy's reminders of the old go this morning. Amen? I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, there are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. And so you have to understand this morning that the greatest days of your walk with God are just ahead of you. They're not behind you. Some of us, I don't know about you, I grew up in a great church. I grew up in a great Pentecostal church, King Street Pentecostal Church in Oshawa, Ontario. And we had this move of God in 1997 that they still talk about today. But the part of the problem that I have when I run into people that were there back in January of 97 was this idea that, oh, you know, remember when? Remember the good old days? And my response is, Yeah, they were awesome, but he's doing a new thing. What's God doing today? What is God doing now? What does he want to do in your life today? How many are grateful for the times that God has touched you in the past? I am. I'm incredibly grateful. 
But you have to understand this morning, God loves what He's done before, but He's very much interested in continuing the work. Why? Because He wants to bring you to completion, to fulfillment, to paid in full, and the effects of that in your life. Amen? I want to read a verse, one of my favorite verses in the book of Isaiah. If anyone ever asks me what's my favorite Old Testament book, Isaiah, hands down, doesn't even come close to anything else. I love the book of Isaiah. Um, and I want to just read a verse from chapter 43, verses 18 to 19. It should be on the screen behind you. And it says this, forget the former things. I love how he starts. Forget it. And if you're from, you know, Brooklyn or New Jersey, forget about it. You know, that's what he's talking about. All right? That's what he's saying. Just picture it. Jesus talking with a Jersey accent. If that doesn't set you free this morning, I don't know what does. All right. It says, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Here's what I've realized in my own life. If you're living out the past, it's like you have sunglasses on that are so dark you can't see what's in front of you. And you can't perceive what God's trying to do because you're living in this filtered system of everything that's gone on in the past uh, in your life. But it goes, I am making a way in the pastures. It says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. Some of you, the old is the wilderness, but God's making a way. You have to understand, He's making a way through those hard times. He's making a way through those things that was meant to destroy you is going is to be the very thing that God uses to perfect you, mature you, grow you, and strengthen you. He said, but I don't like how God does his business. Neither do I. Sometimes I'm just owning it. Can we be real in this church this morning? There are some days where I have some thoughts that I share with God that go like this. There's like 37 other ways to do that. And you pick that one. Why? If I, if, I mean, if I was sitting in your chair, I would have done it different. None of us admit it, but we all do it. Come on. You're like, no, I'm holier than that. I would never, I would never even think that ever in my life. It just doesn't even become me. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The very place where you feel like your life was wasted, he's making springs and streams. Regardless of the wilderness seasons, regardless of the wasteland experiences and the things that you have regrets over, disappointments over, regardless of all the places that you messed up, and sometimes you drive by places and you remind yourself of where you messed up. Sometimes you hear a song on the radio and it reminds you of the place that you were when you messed up. But regardless of missed opportunities, regardless of disappointments, regardless of what others have done to you or what you have done to others, you have to know this morning that Jesus is declaring over your life, Tetelestai, it is time for a new season. It is time for a new season. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of the most profound verses in the entire New Testament for you and your life as a believer. It's so simple, yet so profound. It says this in chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
We've talked about what it means to be in Christ the last three Sundays, so listen to the messages. It's all good. He is a new creation. Say new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Say new. So the word that's actually used in the Greek here is the word kainos, which we're not doing a test on this word after, so it's all good. You don't have to remember it. But it literally means new, a new form, something fresh. It means recently made, fresh, unused, unwarned. And I, and I love this part. It goes, of a new kind, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. That's who you are. So when Jesus was declaring this word tetelesta, he wasn't just interested in declaring a new season over you. He was interested in declaring a new you. And here's what I've learned in my life. If the only thing we're doing is looking for a new season, we miss the new you that he's trying to form. He forms a new you in the season you're currently at so that when you walk into the next season, you're ready for it. So he's interested in a new season, but he's more interested in a new you. All right. What does that new you look like? Well, that new you is unused, uncommon, unprecedented, and unheard of. I want to share a story this morning, um, and I'm, I'm going to share this story in faith for the weather to change. Okay, you ready? So, we love the beach. As a family, we love the beach. Um, there are glorious supernatural experiences when I go to the beach for the first time and I take my shirt off, and the white factor blows people away, and there's people just falling down all across the beach. I'm like, hallelujah, it's awesome. It is just mind-blowing what happens when that shirt comes off for the first time. At the, I'm kidding, that's a side story. Okay. But my kids love the beach. We love the beach. It is like one of the most special places that we go to many times over the summer. And so there was an incident that happened with Abigail last summer that was so funny. And if you don't know Abby, she's our youngest. And last summer, she would have just turned six. She's cute and she knows it. That's the problem. And um, she honestly believes that everyone is interested in her story. So she tells everyone her story. Everywhere. At all times. Multiple times in a day. And it's really cute to see. So what we've tried to train her is tell people, without Jesus, you're going to hell. I'm kidding that we don't do that. Sort of, kind of, but not quite like that. But she says it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I want your Jesus, too, because she's so cute. But anyhow, I want to tell you a story of something that happened last year. So one of the things that we often do is Sandra and I will sit in a chair, and the kids will start piling up sand around our feet, and they start working up our legs, right? So that they're kind of, the goal is for us to stand up and kind of not be able to move, just kind of stand there and rotate, kind of like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. You remember that? You know, That's the goal that we want to do. So there's this one day, she's got this giant bucket, and she's looking at all the sand, but she's getting frustrated that the sand kept falling down the side of the hill, and it just kept, couldn't, kept piling up. Like, she wanted to pile it all the way up. So she came up with this brilliant plan. I'm going to get water, and I'm going to pour water on it, and it's going to solidify, and it's going to be awesome. So she starts by going down to the beach. She fills up her bucket, and she's walking very slowly very carefully because she doesn't want to lose any of the water. And then by the time she gets to us, she starts to realize that half the water in the bucket is already gone. 
She's getting frustrated. She doesn't know that there's a crack in the side of the bucket. Okay? So she gets going, and she's, she's doing it carefully, and then she's like, what in the world is going on? So then she gets upset, and she starts running back and forth. So she's running back and forth, and now she's got like this much water left, and she's like, what is going on? And she's absolutely losing her mind. And what she kind of realized, no matter how hard she tried, she couldn't do it. Because everything kept leaking out of her cracked bucket. And what was interesting, by the end of the day, she was so frustrated that bucket, she actually kind of stepped on it and threw it away. Just kind of sort of stepped on it. Just stomped on it. Multiple times. In a fit of rage. <laughs> Which we caught on video. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> that we're going to play at her wedding. <laughs> and we're going to say to her husband, Good luck. <laughs> we did the best we could. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Woo. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had Honey Nut Cheerios this morning, and that's the worst. If you ever guys just make sure I get the multigrain or the, you know, the plain Cheerios, the, the honey in it is not good. All right. But you have to understand with this story. That the bucket's original purpose was now destroyed because of the crack. And this is so true of many of our lives. We work so hard doing so many things that in the end we lose our effectiveness and ultimately we lose our purpose. Because the only thing we're doing is leaking out. I don't know about you, but anytime I leak out, I'm stuck in the same old season. And I see the pattern. And I do things out of frustration. And I do things out of anger because I don't seem to be getting ahead. And God wants to restore your original purpose in this season. It is time for a new season. And he's going to give you a new bucket. So you don't lose anything. God doesn't want you to lose anything out of that bucket. He wants you to take what he provides and pour it into not only your own life, but in our case with the bucket, poured into others. There's a story that perfectly illustrates this whole, con- uh, this whole concept, and it's found in Luke chapter 5, and it's a story about old versus new wineskins. And for those that don't know some of the historical background, uh, people of the day would often use um, some sort of uh, animal skin to carry around their wine and their fermented wine. And uh, oftentimes it was goat skins, but... There's a story in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go through it a little bit this morning, and it says this in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 to 38, it says, then he spoke a parable to them, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new one uh, does not match the old. Jews of the day knew that a piece of unshrunk or new cloth Uh, rightly sewed to the old one or the well-shrunk one, would come and produce a bigger tear. That's what would happen every single time. So at the end of it, both would be ruined. One thing I've learned in my life with God is that I cannot put something that God is doing new in my life onto an old mindset because it, it doesn't rest there. 
it can't sit there. It cannot be formed properly there. It cannot provide for anyone properly there. The only thing it does is it filters through everything God wants to do according to what he used to do. And for some of us, that's painful experiences because we misunderstood what God was doing. So I want you to know this morning, God is very much interested in helping you understand this morning that the old and the new do not match. They're not aligned. You can't put them together. That's why Jesus declared on the cross, the new, the new day has come. The new season's here. The new covenant's here. The new covenant in my blood, not in the blood of goats and sheep and lambs and rams and everything else, but the blood of Jesus is the thing that changes and makes this covenant new. Old and new are not aligned and they don't go together. It goes on in verse 37. It says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. So when new wine is placed into um, a wineskin, it soon begins to ferment. And in that process of fermentation, it starts to stretch the wineskin. Okay? If the new wine is placed into an old wineskin, it breaks the old wineskin because wineskins that have been stretched, if they haven't been used, become brittle. And the moment something new is placed in them, the gases and the fermentation process that's going on within that wineskin actually breaks what is brittle and old. God is saying, we need to be ready for the new. And what's interesting, kind of like Abby's bucket, is that there was a crack there. Something happened and it was leaking out everything that God designed to be a blessing to you. It now leaked out. Verse 38. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. In other words, you have to embrace the new in a new way. Whenever God's doing something new, he wants us to start thinking like that. He wants us to start talking like that. He wants us to start believing for that. But the one thing I've learned about the process of fermentation and the wineskins is that the best version of you takes place over time. When we hear new season, we hear automatic change. We hear drive-through change, right? We just come up, get our stuff, and away we go. It's not how it works. He first gives you the new wineskin. feels a little uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's different. never seen that before. It's not what I'm used to. The other one was stretched much better. Yeah, the old one's also brittle. But you don't see the brittle because you are used to something, right? And God is saying it's time to be stretched in that new season. Okay? One of the greatest hindrances to the next move of God is the last one. Because we discern and decipher everything according to what we've already gone through and what we're comfortable with. How many know that safety is very important for us? Security is very important for us. If we know something, we're good. If we're comfy, cozy with it, we're good. You do something that I've never seen before, uh, I'm not so good with that. I'm not so good with that, Lord. And so the key question in this whole process is can we be trained to respond to the Word of God in our lives? Can we be trained just to simply respond and say yes? Similar, I think a great kind of example of this in the scientific world is the law of inertia. The law of inertia in its core element is that everything has a tendency to literally stay in a fixed position uh, or condition unless something acts upon it. 
right? So think about this. If matter is motionless, its tendency is to remain motionless. So if we live in the old, and if we think in the old, and if we speak in the old, and if we stay in the old, then guess what? We're going to continue to reap the old. But God is declaring something over you this morning that I want you to get excited about. He is declaring over you new. He's declaring over you a new wineskin. In other words, a new capacity to handle what God is doing. He's declaring over you new wine. What does that represent? The new move of the Spirit of God in your life. He's declaring it over you this morning. But we need to make a choice. We need to embrace the new and let go of the old. Amen? Because if not, we have the potential to leak out what God is doing in our lives. And how about you? I don't want to do that. Absolutely not. I want to show uh, show you one other thing here in this story. And I'm going to go back to Mark because this is the other book in the Gospels that's actually telling the same story. And it says in chapter 2, verses 21 to 22, it says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. I want you to catch a couple of things. This is some of the language issues, the Greek language here. But in verse 22, there's actually two different words used for the word new. It's translated in the English new both times, but they're actually two different words in the Greek. And the first word that's used to describe, uh, used with wine, is the word naos, which literally means new with respect to time. The second word is the word kainos, which we've already talked about from 2 Corinthians 5. And it literally means with respect to quality. Not to time, but to quality. And it's a new being, it's a new creation, it's a new thing. I want to go back just very quickly to that 2 Corinthians 5.17. Just remind you of this context. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Both words here are used as the word kainos. And it literally means that new form, that something fresh, recently made, unused, unworn, of a new kind, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. But here's what's interesting. The word kainos in the Greek has a sister word. A compound word that's connected to it. And it's the word keros. Same spelling with an R. Keros and kainos. And interestingly enough, the version, the best uh, story in Scripture that actually uses this word keros is in John chapter 5. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it literally just references something I prayed of this morning. And it's this, when the waters were stirred and there was... In the pool, literally a time for healing. The first one that jumped in got healed. And there's a word in verse 4 that says, for an angel went down at a certain time. And it's the certain time that's actually the Greek word keros. And guess what keros means? It literally means a certain time or a set time or a due time. But then it goes one step further. It says God's divine time. Or God's divine time of opportunity. So here's what I want you to get today. This is the only thing. It's all I want you to remember. Okay? The new season, or keros, time, is only relevant, only relevant, when it comes upon upon a person that has lived out a kainos moment. 
In other words, God's divine opportunities only are processed and lived out to its fullest when you've made a decision to become the new creation and let go of the old and move into the new and to become the new unheard of, unhindered person that God's designed you to be. If you have allowed the Spirit of God to bring chaos change, then when the Holy Spirit brings the chaos moment, the God moment for your life, you're going to see it lived out to fruition every single time. And it won't be like you running back and forth from the beach to us, like Abigail leaking out everything all over the place. God's new seasons of opportunities are always here, but they stick to those that are living out the chaos change of God and becoming the new person that God has in your life. So he's going to change our old way of thinking and our old way of speaking and our old way of living. Why? Because he wants to get rid of the old wineskin, the old ways of thinking. He wants to get rid of the old wine, that which we're living in from yesteryear and still celebrating and singing Kumbaya over. And he's saying this morning, it's time for the new. So what in the world is the purpose for this? I'm going to end with this thought. What is the purpose for this whole process? Well, the purpose of any new season, are you ready for this one? Is to produce change. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's not what I wanted to hear today. I wanted to tell me that everything's going to be okay and I don't have to do nothing. I wish that that's how God worked. I have talked to him about this many times between me and him, and he keeps coming back with the same thing. I need a new you, Cameron, for the new season. I need a new you. And then one moment, oh, I got it. And it hit me. I was like, whoa, that was awesome. A new you can walk into a new season. Lord, why didn't you tell me that before? I have been telling you over the last 10 years. Where have you been? How many have had those moments where you get a revelation from God and then he's up, you can just see him up there going, oh, finally. Okay, legions of angels, you guys can come back now. We're done with Cameron. He's finally got it. Woo! But what's the purpose of change? The purpose purpose of change is to produce growth. The purpose of change is to produce growth. I want to share with you an illustration that I'm going to come in for a landing here. Um, From 1900 to 1967, the Swiss watch company were the leading watchmakers in the world. In 1967, when digital technology was patented, the Swiss rejected it in favor of the traditional uh, ball bearings, gears, and mainsprings that they had been using to make watches for decades. Unfortunately, however, the world was ready for this advance, and Seiko, a Japanese company, picked up the digital patent and became the leading watch manufacturer in the world overnight. 50,000 of the 67,000 Swiss watchmakers went out of business because they refused to embrace this new technology. The purpose of the new season is to birth change. The purpose of change is to birth growth. No more old bucket. (laughs) No more cracked bucket. It doesn't work. I love how Jesus the night before he was to die, talked about yesterday and the old. 
he looked at his followers, and as they were taking communion together, the Lord's Supper, he looked at them and he said, remember. It did not say, be defined by it. It said, remember it. doesn't say live in it. It says remember it. Abraham Maslow, which famous for Maslow's hierarchy of needs, said this, I think, very profound statement. He said, in any given moment, we have two options. To step forward into growth or to step back into safety. And I have learned that safety is good, growth is better. Amen? I want you to see Jesus' heart as he was on that cross that day. Hebrews 12, 2. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to say this morning, empty yourselves of what is old. Get rid of the old wineskin. Get rid of the old season. And step into the new. Charles Spurgeon says like this, you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything else. But when you have it, you can never go back. I remember making this statement to a friend of mine at 22 years of age when I was significantly touched by God. And I saw a guy that I loved, a guy that I was friends with for many years, and I looked at him. It was my, honestly, my heart broke, and I just said, man, God's doing awesome stuff, and I'm moving into a new season. I want you to come with me. But I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to force you. But I'm tracking with what God's doing. I felt all morning as I was coming this morning just to share from a pastor's heart that there are some people that will never go into the new season with you. And it's okay. They were meant to be in the last season because they helped you for that season. But they're not meant to come into the new season with you. And one of the things that I've consistently seen for years as a pastor is how many people try to drag the last season people into their new season. And the energy and effort it takes to drag the last season people into their new season actually distracts you from receiving the new season God has for you. So you have to understand, Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come. But I don't like that, Lord. (laughs) I really liked when you were right beside me, that you were walking with me, that you were teaching me how to do ministry. Lord, I want that. I got to go. What? But I'm sending the gift of the Father. Oh, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) I like that. How will I know when he comes? You'll know. What's he going to look like? You know, Birkenstocks, a nice beard, you know, that kind of thing, robes, you know, that kind of thing? No. 
You won't even see him. You'll just see the effects of him. But Lord, I liked when I saw it, felt it, tasted it, touched it. I liked that part. And here's what I've realized. Jesus had to go for the Holy Spirit to come. And put yourself in the disciple's shoes for that moment. He's declaring it's finished. He's declaring it's complete. He's declaring the old's gone, the new has come. And they're thinking to themselves, great, he's coming to his throne and we're going to just kick out the Romans and everything's going to be awesome. And he goes, see ya. Here's what I've realized in my own life. If we have the courage to let go of the old, God fills it right away. There's no delay. Jesus left, boom, Holy Spirit's there, boom. Right away. But we got to let go with what's in our hands. Bob Goff says this, and I'm going to end here, and then we're going to have communion together this morning. So if those are serving communion, if you guys want to get ready. I love this quote by Bob Goff. It says this, embrace uncertainty. Some of the most beautiful chapters in our lives won't have a title until much later. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.